Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Riverfront. This is episode number 431 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, my guy, Nate Dotson. How are you, Nate? Chad, I am lovely. It's a beautiful, well, rainy, but beautiful day here in Virginia, and glad to be here to talk a little Reds baseball with a bunch of, bunch of people that for some reason are still tuning in despite the fact that the Reds are like 150 games out of a playoff spot. I know, I know. I, I'm, I'm amazed at the fact that people are still uh, still watching and listening and commenting. And it's been, uh, it's it's fun every week. Uh, that's why we still do it. Yeah, so for sure. um, a couple things, uh, kind of housekeeping before we begin here. Now, I guess we've already begun. So uh, before we go further, I would say <laughs> a little bit of housekeeping. Um, you know, uh, the, for the Patre- Patreon family at uh, patreon.com slash Riverfront Sensiate, um, something special coming up next week. And so if you get in on Patreon before next week, you can join us. We do this at least once a month. And we have what we race called the a Zoom Hangout with the family. And so during a, during a ball game, um, we get together, just you know, hang out on Zoom, talk about the game. And, uh, of course, patrons have an opportunity to watch the video later. We post it on our uh, Patreon site. But um, next one's coming up. It's going to be Tuesday. We're going to get together Tuesday evening at, uh, what do we decide, 7 o'clock, Nate? 7 o'clock. I think it's a 6.40 first pitch. So we're going to watch a little baseball, talk about a little baseball, uh, commiserate. Uh, as we say so often here, misery loves company. And it's a great, uh, great group of folks to be miserable with. There you go. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, it's, they're playing the Mets that night. And when we've done this in the past, it's been great fun to just hang out and, you know, put some faces to uh, screen names and uh, just talk about the Reds. It's like hanging out with a bunch of guys uh, at the bar or wherever and, and uh, watching, watching a Reds game. So come join us if you want to sign up at Patreon and you can uh, join the family if you want to do that. Uh, you don't have to do that. Okay. We're bringing this, we're bringing this to you uh, every week anyway. So um, uh, what you can do if you, if you, if you don't have the ability to, to join the Patreon family or, um, to uh, you know, support the podcast. That's fine. That's fine. Go s- subscribe to our YouTube channel, right? Um, smash the thumbs up button. Okay, that's what I'm asking. Subscribe where at it. Go to YouTube.com/slash/RiverfrontCency. Our uh, subscriber numbers keep inching upward. It's kind of surprising. I don't know. I, I, for some reason, I expect them to go down <laughs> after every show is released. But um, you know, there, there's a there's a big number in front of us that we want to reach. And so, hey, go tell your friends. Go subscribe and. Uh, Let's uh, make your, more people. make your kids, make your kids where they're grounded. <laughs> right. Make them subscribe to, uh, to youtube.com slash riverfront Cincy. So, uh, enough of that, enough of this nonsense, uh, promotional stuff, but, uh, please, please do it. Um, <laughs> the, the truth is, uh, more than just about anything else talk about us. That's the way you grow a podcast is word of mouth. And, um, that's the way we've grown the show over the years. And so, now we're moving a little bit into the video sphere. We're always doing the audio as well. You can always get us on your audio channels, uh, where you get your podcasts. But uh, I don't know. We got a kind of a new, new, new group here, and it's been a, a lot of fun. All right, let's start with the Reds. That's enough. We just spent you know almost four minutes, and we're not even talking about the Reds yet. Uh, the Reds this week, this past week. Well, um, they were the Reds. They, uh, you know, I guess they've won three of their last five at this point. So since, and that, that's all since the last uh, last show. So if they can win, they're going to play the Cubs tonight, uh, as we're recording this on Thursday night. And so, you know, it could be a four and two week if they win that one, um, and a, a four and two road trip. Even more interesting, mm-hmm. interesting. Two or three against San Francisco, and then uh, you know, if they can win tonight, two out of three at yeah. Chicago. So going for uh, back to back series wins, um, you know. The San Francisco's a, a good ball club. You think you're going to feel good about taking two out of three there anytime you can do it. Chicago, you know, they're kind of in a similar situation to us, except they have won games recently. Um, but there's few better feelings in the world than uh, the winning games against the stinking Cubs. Oh, stupid Cubs. Can't stand them. Um, you know, if the Reds had just been able to sweep this series, they would have passed the Cubs in the – uh, I know, and then uh, you know we would have to have a, a parade or something. That was going to be exciting, <laughs> uh, but they didn't. But it still can win the series, and hopefully they do um, tonight. We'll see. You know, I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, 
it's been uh, it was fun watching them win that that series against San Francisco, especially on the backs of a couple really strong starting pitching performances. Um, my man Graham Ashcraft, another fantastic outing, eight innings pitched, eight strikeouts, two earned runs. Um, in game three, there Tyler Malley pitched was it six point two with uh, three earned, seven Ks, just you know typically strong Malley outing. In the middle there was a a Mike Minor appearance that we don't need to spend much time on. But, um, yeah, and then Castillo comes on, on game one in Chicago and throws a freaking gem. Six innings, 11 Ks, only five hits, and it's going to be hard to score runs when the guy's shoving like that. And they did not. So, as long as this team has good starting pitching, it seems like they have a chance. Yeah, yeah, and and more often than, uh, than not in recent days, they have had uh, good starting pitching. You know, um, uneven sometimes, but they've had some good outings. But again, we're talking about the Reds won two or three in a late June series at San Francisco. And like the Reds are also ran. Who cares? But it was fun. I don't know what to tell you. You know, if, if you didn't watch it, you kind of missed out. They were fun games. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, we're hopeless. We've already determined that uh, many, many times over. But uh, uh, but I enjoyed it. Um, any other thoughts about those two series, Nate, before we move on to the news of the week? Um, Just, I guess, that a couple guys – Keep raking. Um, we'll talk about my our, our buddy Nick Senzel here in a little bit, but Brandon Drury is still crushing the ball. His numbers are up to 279, 337 on base with a 541 slugging, 130 OPS plus for you advanced analytics guys. He just doesn't slow down. I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it, it, it doesn't. It's not. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just – I'm like you. I, I I want to believe, you know, you want to believe he's figured something out. I mean, again, as I said before, he's a guy that came up to the major leagues at a young age, and those are guys that generally are more talented guys. And, you know, he's had his chances at the big league level, and he's never done anything like this. Has he figured something out at his advanced age of uh, of 29? I don't know. But, um, man, he just – he does. He just keeps going and going. And, and uh, you know, what are you going to do when we get some – you know, <laughs> you got to keep him in the, in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, he's kind of earned his way to stay there for as long until he falls off the cliff. And I don't know if it's going to happen. I hope it's not going to happen. I hope he is an all-star and, you know, whatever. But we love an underdog story. Everybody does. Well, that's because the Reds are perennial underdogs uh, <laughs> in Major League Baseball. Um, true. Any other thoughts? Any not other really. Um, I, like? I got I guess if. For all of you Kyle Farmer and Albert Almora Jr. fans out there, do not go back and look at their stats over the last since the last episode. Um, streaky players. I think we knew that Almora Jr. was getting a little bit lucky. It was a little bit fluky, um, and they are, he is specifically starting to regress to what I think we all would have expected. Kyle Farmer is as streaky as it gets, so I'm sure he'll go on a Barry Bonds-like tear one of these months to – keep all his stands engaged, but uh, it's not look good for those two recently. No. Or, no, or Mike no. Miner. It, well, I guess we can talk about Mike Miner. Uh, <laughs> that's, you know, um, I don't know what to say. That guy is just, um, what's his record now? One in four. Overall, his uh, his ERA is – I had it pulled up, I thought. There you go. A one of four, 7.71 ERA. When, when you have a worse ERA than Vladimir Gutierrez had <laughs> this year, you know you're doing something. I just – and he's really not – you know, he's had brief moments where he looked like uh, the guy that he's been in his, uh, in his career, but – you know, he's just uh, – he's given up 10 home runs in 25 innings. He has, uh, you know it, – it's not that he's just being unlucky. Uh, his fielding independent pitching numbers are almost eight. I mean, he's just um, – he's he's bad, and I guess uh, the question is, what happens now with Mike Miner? Uh, that, that's – Nick Lodolo is uh, on the verge of being back and uh, presumably will be back ne- uh, early next week. And the Reds have said they're going to go with a six-man rotation initially, um, but I would. Ex- so what I what I'm hearing here is that uh, Mike Miner will get one more start. I can't imagine unless he figures something out, uh, he's going to get more than that. So he's, he's probably destined for the bullpen or for a phantom uh, injury injury list designation. I, I don't know. I just this guy. I don't know if he just doesn't have it, but 
I don't know. He's trying hard. Yeah. Every um, every metric is saying the same thing. I did a dive earlier trying to see if I could find a way to justify the the rough start up to this point, and I couldn't do it. I mean, career low ERA plus is batting average balls in play. People aren't being historically unlucky. It's like right around his career norms. Um, it's just it's been rough for Mike Miner. You don't uh, you you don't like to see. It. I'm okay with a six man rotation. Um, I don't know how that affects starting pitchers' preparation, but anything to give the guys a little bit of a rest, the young guys, I'm, I'm okay with. But I can't imagine any strategy where you're like, all right, guys, let's let's, let's trot Mike Miner out for another start. This is this is what the club needs. Yeah, I just he's he's clearly not one of the five best starters. I, he actually really? may be until Nick Lodolo gets back. <laughs> well, if he gets to the bullpen, that's the question. What could you have gotten if you spent $10 million on – Bullpen pieces instead of Mike Miner. That's a it's a question that makes a, a single tear uh, roll down my mm-hmm. cheek. Um, just thinking about it, yeah, it's a uh, Mike Miner. But he's going to go seven strong, like six Ks, no runs next next outing, and we're going to be talking about Mike Miner and he's going to be a Reds legend. Please <laughs> sign <laughs> sign me up for that. I, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna object to that. I'm not gonna predict it, but uh, I don't know. Mike Miner, um, rest in peace. So the Reds uh, acquired a new catcher, Michael uh, Michael Papierski. I think that's how they pronounced it. You know, uh, works for me. Did, did you Ooh. did you see that the Reds had picked him up before he actually was in the game? I thought it was one of those like the onion type <laughs> sports outlets. They're just now making up names and putting them on the Reds roster. Yeah, I'm good. Was just be great, be an awesome Red, but I'm not gonna you know commit your name to memory just yet. Yeah, and he, he got his first big league hit because uh, his prior major league career had consisted of five games. Earlier this year, he uh, played in five games with the Giants. He's a 26-year-old. Uh, he's just uh, – in his, in his five games with the Giants, he went 0 for 9, struck out four times. He, I don't know. You know, I mean, he, uh, <laughs> he's been at two different minor league uh, organizations this year. Uh, hit 211 at one, 208 the other. Uh, this is, again, and, and more power to him. I'm happy for him getting his first big league hit. Great job, guy, that I've never Love heard it. of and I won't remember in three years. Um but this is the situation that the Reds put themselves in by not having any depth whatsoever. And, yeah, this, this is what happens. And whatever. I guess it doesn't matter because the Reds aren't going to win the pennant. Uh, breaking news. But it's just watching guys like this is a major league organization. Technically, it's a major league organization. And they're just trotting out guys that are just not big leaguers. And it's uh, – Again, I don't want to dump on this guy because he's trying the best he can. And good for him, man. He he got a hit in the major leagues. I could barely get a hit in little league. So who am I to criticize him? But I, it feels like September of many of these bad years when you're just calling up random guys. You know, Barry Larkin's brother gets a, a, a shot. You know, I mean, it's just uh, anybody they can find. That's kind of what Frank. I was. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say. The problem isn't Michael Papey, Papey you know, Whatever some some alias that Michael Scott from the office would use if he was trying to be a ninja, but it's it's, it's the head that I'm calling, we're. I'm calling him. I'm calling him Little Poppy. That's what I'm calling him. Dude, done, done. <laughs> the problem is that the team is so bad and the the season's gone so poorly that this serves as news for the Reds right now. Right. Like this has to make the rundown of things that happened this week. Oh. We we probably put it too high on the list uh, to talk about, but I just uh, and maybe that's another uh, you know kind of symptom. Welcome of to Cincinnati, Michael. Welcome right. to Cincinnati. Glad to have you. <laughs> Open arms. No one place where you might be able to have an actual big league career. Um, little Poppy, Little Poppy, that's his name now. Um, Colin Moran sticking around. That's what happens, Colin Moran. Nobody wants you. I don't think he never really wanted him before the season started and the Reds went out and gave him dollars. Yeah, Colin Moran, of course, was designated for assignment, ex- uh, accepted the uh, um, assignment to 
Louisville and because I guess he had no other options because he would have gone elsewhere if he had other options, presumably other major league options anyway. And so he's going to stick around. And again, nothing against Colin Moran. Colin Moran, I think, could possibly be a useful, you know, um, 25th guy on the roster, a backup, uh, you know, um, on the infield, third base, first base. I, you know, it's not, I think he's not he's not a little poppy. But, um, again, what are we talking about here? Although I saw some people that thought, oh, Colin Moran, you know, Colin Moran, he, he was great for like two weeks last year against the Reds. And yeah, so smashes lefties when the sun is setting in the Arizona <laughs> sky and the wind's blowing east northeast at 12 miles an hour. <laughs> well, let's get him in the lineup on those days. <laughs> Other than that, let's keep him in Louisville. So, all right. Boy, this is an exciting uh, news uh, recap this week. It gets better. It gets better quickly. It's getting better right now. Okay, the two guys want to talk about. First of all, Tyler Naquin. Tyler Naquin started his rehab assignment today as we record this. He's uh, in the lineup uh, for the Louisville Bats against the Toledo Mud Hens. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, we haven't seen Naquin since, I think, May 31st. And, uh, he's you know, he's been Tyler Naquin so far, which is a perfectly cromulent player. I, I like Tyler Naquin. And with this Reds team, they need Tyler Naquin. And so, so good news. Hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later. Thoughts on Tyler Naquin or on the other guy we're going to talk about? Let's move Let's move straight on to the great news. Do it, man. Do it. This is the most exciting news of the week, which is, again, another symptom of what we're dealing with in Cincinnati. <laughs> That's a fair point. Um, I thought that I was getting hoodwinked, that I was getting scammed, I was getting catfished. I didn't know what it was, but I saw a video of Tyler Stevenson, Reds stud young catcher Tyler Stevenson taking batting practice at Great American Ballpark yesterday or the day before, and it looks like he is – Getting ready to start a rehab rehab assignment is going to be back much sooner than originally expected. And, man, couldn't be more excited. If, uh, for me, that's been the number one most exciting part about this season so far is what he's been doing, Just you know, not just in the batter's box, but behind the plate. And if he can come back, uh, get some at-bats, have a few nice games, might get that all-star nod too. But very, very pumped for Tyler to be back in this lineup. Yeah, yeah, clearly. You know, if you remember, Tyler Stevenson took uh, that foul ball um, off his hand, broke his thumb uh, early June, and uh, four what they say, four to six weeks, six to eight weeks. I don't know what they said. What, what they said, but um, because what do you expect me to do some some research before I no. run my mouth? But um, yeah, you know, I mean, to me, the, the most exciting part. Well, the most exciting part is we get to watch Tyler Stevenson back, and so that's great. But uh, just get something we talked about a couple weeks ago, which is getting back before the, the All-Star game now, um, possibly get a selection because he certainly has earned it. And so get him, get him playing so that maybe that's a, that's a thing that could happen. Now, uh, just briefly, they did announce this week that uh, no Reds made the, the final finalists for being elected, uh, voted into the All-Star game. So you all did not do your work getting Brandon Drury elected as the starting uh you. Third baseman. Um, but, uh, you know, they're going to get somebody. I still think Luis Castillo is going, and I'm thinking Tyler Stevenson has an awfully good chance. I, we, we probably should mention because we've kind of, you know, poked a little fun Aramis Garcia, and um, he's not a good uh, player, uh, not a good hitter anyway. But, you know, since uh, Tyler Stevenson was at, went out, Aramis Garcia hit 282, you know, 333 on base in, in those uh, 17 games. So that's that's not bad. Um, we won't talk about Little Poppy and Chris Oakey, the backups. Uh, Oakey, of course, <laughs> got sent down, um, but also got his first big league hit, so good for him. But, uh, yeah, please, we need we need Stevenson back. Just It just changes the lineup. Okay, it I does. Mean, we, um, we talked about, you know, it, it's still fun to watch the Reds win whenever it does happen. Winning those two out of three in San Francisco was a whole lot of fun. And when you insert Stevenson into that lineup with a hot Brandon Drury, a perfectly adequate Tyler Naquin, and Donnie Barrels, Don Don Solano, like you can actually uh, <laughs> have some, some, some real major league lineups for one of the few times all season. And it's especially true if a certain red center fielder keeps hitting the way he has since you buried him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had to put this one on the agenda for tonight, didn't we? 
yeah, okay, again, I have this uh, fractured relationship with Nick Senzel. Uh, that last week, I finally said, all right, you know what? I just, I'm not going to be optimistic anymore because I keep getting my heart broken <laughs> with, with Senzel. And, um, and at the exact moment, the precise moment that I made that declaration, Senzel decided to be a superstar. Uh, since, since I said that, Nick Senzel has um, hit uh, for a 550 batting average, which is good. 591 on base, 600 slugging, um, taking a couple walks, four RBIs, a double, um, mostly singles, but still, you know, um, he started to look a little bit, got on base by catcher's interference again. <laughs> that guy leads the world in getting on base by catcher's interference. Uh, his defense is, is uh, always stellar, better than stellar. It's uh, outstanding. But um, just seeing him on base more and running the bases, because that dude can run the bases. And just that, that also changes the look of this offense by leaps and bounds. Do we keep him at number eight in the, in the order, Nate? Um, I don't know if you've looked into it at all. I wanted to bring this up just because I thought it was funny a while back, but very, very, very small sample size. But he is the best player in Major League Baseball history in the eight hole. <laughs> <laughs> what are his numbers? Do you have them? I don't have them handy, but if you only, uh, and there's only like, I don't know, 12 at bats or something, but they were really, really high before the stretch in the eight hole in like two other games. But he just crushes. It's um, I don't know. He he looks more comfortable at the plate. Um, we've kind of been saying that for a while that, that he seemed close, and he he sort of said something similar as to his timing is coming back. And I don't know. He had a birthday, got a nice massage, posted that on Instagram. He's a boat trip with some of the guys in Chicago. I think he's feeling relaxed. He's feeling uh, like he's part of a team. And there's been a lot of you know noise surrounding him pretty much his entire career from being a heralded prospect to the Reds manipulating a service time to whatever was going on between him and the club last year. Maybe this is the first time he's really been healthy and felt like, you know, part of the club and not a, not a distraction. I don't know. Well, we're we are talking about tiny sample size. We're talking, you know, six games since last week's uh, podcast. So, you know, <laughs> I don't want to, uh, again, but it, it's a, he's he's a guy that I've been waiting on. And, and speaking of that, I think you should go to RedLegNation.com. And my buddy Richard Fitch has a good piece there, literally called "Waiting for Nixon Zell." It's worth a read if you uh, want to go over to uh, to Red Leg Nation check that out. But I just pulled it up, Nate, and uh, Nixon Zell has literally, as a major leaguer, you know, he's only he hasn't been in the major leagues long, but he's batted in every position in the lineup during his career. And um, in the and you're right, by far in the eighth uh, <laughs> spot in the order. 455 batting average, 500 on base, 515 slugging. I mean, um, amazing. Uh, could you guess what his second best uh, position in the order was? Seven? It's actually the place where he's hit the most in his career. First. At, really? at, lead, at, at leadoff, his numbers, again, we're talking, that's uh, 406 plate appearances at leadoff. 278 average, 341 on base. 422 slugging. I mean, that's that's a I'll take that as a leadoff hitter. Yep. So um, who knows? Um, gosh, nothing but uh, but good vibes from what we're seeing from Nick Senzel. We're going to keep sending them out. Makes me wonder if we shouldn't start a new recurring segment called uh, like "Walking the Plank" with Chad Dotson, where you just, you just you know end a player's career just to get them on a hot streak. Somebody's I, slumping. We'll give him a little obituary or eulogy, and boom, slump over. They're an all-star. I like it. <laughs> Come on, Nate. Good vibes only. Good vibes only. I don't want to bury anyone, especially not uh, Sinzel, but we may have to do that. We may have to do that. I don't know. Oh, it, it, But it's good to see. Look, okay? That's the other thing that, you know, we, we have to try to tell it like it is, and when I, even when I'm – a little bit biased. I try to let you know that I don't, I'm not trying to hide anything from you, uh, as with Sincel. But um, I want Little Poppy to be amazing. You know, I want Mike Miner to be incredible. We're rooting for the laundry, right? Like uh, Seinfeld said, we're rooting for the the, the jersey. Mike Miner is not going to be red twelve months from now. Um, little Poppy, I don't know where he's going to be uh, a year from now. Hopefully, enjoying life. 
Um, Nick Senzel, for the rest to have a chance of being competitive in spite of ownership and uh, and the front office, they got to have guys like Senzel. They got healthy and producing. They got to like the, that has to thread the needle essentially. Everything has to go right for this team to be like a really competitive. But that's what I'm. That's what we're rooting for. We're here talking about it uh, every week. So, kudos to Nick Senzel. And uh, so, who should I crap on this week though? Um, let me pull up the numbers here. Might be Mike Miner. <laughs> I think we already. I did. Have completely. <laughs> I've completely given up on Mike Miner. I'm done. I've been waiting for him to be great, and I, I'm out. I'm out on Mike Miner. Mike Miner, you can just. I'm done. All right, let's see if that. Let's see if that works. Put the theory to the test. All right, let's talk about your guy now, Nate. If you're if you're okay with that, who, who? I know, I know. And it, it, for those of you that are that are new to the show, uh, sometime last year, early last year, Nate was like, "This guy Graham Ashcraft, keep an eye on this guy Graham Ashcraft." And I'm like, "Well, the guy has like two pitches. Get out of here. He can be he can be a good reliever." Um, and Nate keeps after it, keeps after it. Check out this guy Ashcraft, and um, as it turns out. Graham Ashcraft is good. Your thoughts on that uh, hot take? I think it's the uh, you know the most accurate you've ever been on this show. Um, Graham Ashcraft Finally. has not just been good. Um, we'll see what happens tonight. He's taking the hill against Chicago. This will be out Friday morning, so we'll we'll know a little more. But as of this recording, you know, he's four and one, which you know we know doesn't really matter. Um, his ERA is 3.27, which leads all starters not named Connor Overton. Um, ERA, not the best stat, but his expected ERA is the best on the club. Um, if you're like the advanced stuff, ERA plus 145, that's pretty good. Uh, 1.09 whip. Um, what I like the most, though, he's got uh, 1.52 walks per nine, and that's just ridiculous. Um, his case per nine keep going up too. Like the way he just attacks guys. He started out his first couple starts. Didn't you know? He had only like three or four or five strikeouts. But you know those numbers are up to about seven right now, and they have been climbing consistently. That incredible fifty-seven point five ground ball percentage that's going to play for a long, long time, and is particularly important in Great American Ballpark. I'm telling you, I'm so pumped about the guy, and you know, I'm not, I'm not a betting man, but if I were. I may have seen some odds that had they were plus eleven thousand for Graham Ashcraft for Rookie of the Year. So Ooh, you might want to take that action if you're a futures guy. You know, that might be worth a little, a little dash, a little taste, a little sprinkle. Just go go Salt Bay on that and <laughs> see if it pays off in uh, October. Yeah, you know, um, again, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not ready yet to predict that uh, he's going to be, you know. Superstar, or you know, uh, even a, a top starter for years to come. But I am convinced that he uh, has a has a real chance. Because again, my my big thing was, first of all, he, he's no no real pedigree, and so that's why I didn't trust him. You know, it's a sixth round sixth round pick, but it was really just the, the rest took a flyer on him. And I wrote about his first him first year at college, right? Well, yeah, um, he. Uh, I did some. I, I looked into him because I wrote about uh, Ashcraft in my column at Cincinnati Magazine this week. And um, he was cut from his uh, his college. He was at Mississippi State uh, and barely played. Didn't, you know, one year didn't play, had two hip surgeries and got cut from Mississippi State. And so transfers to Alabama, Birmingham and 5.63 ERA. Most of his appearances were out of the bullpen. And the Reds took a flyer on him because he has that great fastball. And so um, – the Reds picked him in the sixth round in 2019. That was the year that uh, Nick Lodolo was selected in the first round, seventh overall. So literally one year before he made his major league debut, he was pitching in single A. <laughs> I mean, um, and and didn't make it to triple A until uh, this, the beginning of this season, but never been on a top 100 prospect list. And so, and then he had, yeah, I thought he, the guy's only got two pitches. Uh, I, what can that be? And well, you know what? What we've seen this year is that uh, he doesn't just have two pitches. And this is something you alluded to a couple, a few weeks ago, 
in terms of the the, the movement. And I'll let you uh, talk about that a little bit, then I'll talk about it a little bit more as well. But uh, as it turns out, um, because of his pitches, now big league hitters are going to catch up to him, and he's got to learn mm-hmm. to adjust. And we're seeing that from Hunter Green as well. You got to learn to adjust because the, the the guys that swing the bats get paid a lot of money too. But he's just got this unique. The, 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 he's got the four seam fastball now. I guess I'll go ahead and dive into it. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's got the uh, which has this crazy movement. But then he's got the two seam fastball that tails the other way, or a sinker, I guess. Um, um, yeah, one sinks and the other one cuts. It's right, right, right. It's the crazy. four seams a cutter. He's got two two different fastballs like that are both ninety seven plus. Right, his, right. His, slide, his slider's a very good pitch too. It's you know got needs needs some work, but sometimes looks like the best pitch in his arsenal. Well, it, you can make an argument that it is. Uh, although you're right, he doesn't use it as much, and he has to pick his spots. But um, the slider, he gets more swings and misses on with the slider so far this season than with either the cutter or the yeah. sinker. So. Um, David Bell, uh, Red's uh, intrepid manager, David Bell, said that he has a few different fastballs within one pitch, and um, and I guess what was, what was interesting that in as I was reading some things about him and trying to put together the column is that um, in in spring training, you know, the Reds really didn't know what they had because he wasn't a good enough prospect to get invited to uh, Prasco Park, the alternate site, in 2020, and then last year he's an A ball, but Kyle Bodie, former, uh, you know minor league pitching uh, coordinator, Kyle Bodie, I know, rest in peace, and uh, and Eric Yeager, who's now the uh, assistant pitching coach. But they, they kind of are like, what's going on here with this fastball? Because they no one wanted to catch him, evidently, in spring training because they didn't know where it was going to go. And so um, <laughs> they kind of they kind of worked with him and said, well, let's, you know, let's use this movement. And uh, it just – it's just electric to watch. It's yeah, it's like he's 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 harnessed harnessed his powers a little bit, and you know I'm not under some you know delusion that he's the second coming of Sandy Koufax, but you can start to get really really excited about the Reds' future when you think of you know let's let's cross our fingers and send one up for Luis Castillo, Tyler Malley, Hunter Green. Nick Lodolo, and then somebody like Graham Ashcraft being the fifth man in your rotation with that kind of stuff. Suddenly you've got, obviously it's all hypothetical because who knows who's going to be here in a couple of weeks, but outside of Lodolo, like every one of those pitchers is like sitting 96, 97 with stuff that moves. I mean, that's a pretty daunting lineup. Yeah, that's that's the point I made. That if the Reds were serious about the sort of thing that most major league franchises are serious about, which is putting together a good rotation, they, in two years that's the best rotation in baseball. I mean, maybe not. You don't know what's going to happen with injuries, and maybe the, maybe any of the, the kids don't. Uh, Green, Lodola, Ashcraft, maybe they don't develop like uh, we would hope, uh, because baseball is hard. But uh, you don't have to squint very hard to see literally the best rotation mm-hmm. in baseball in two years. And what a what, what a uh, if you're looking to rebuild a team, what a great piece to build around a superstar rotation. Uh, so toss some money at Castillo, toss some money at Tyler Malley, and uh, and let's run it with this this bunch. And then you you know figure out how to fix uh, the holes in the in the lineup and get you know, some depth in this organization. And all of a sudden, we're back to where we were two years ago, which is yeah, close yeah, to being competitive. On. But I, just know, need to I know. Bring up my Tortugas from from Daytona, and we'll be good. <laughs> There you go. There you go. So uh, just briefly, the last thing I want to say about Ashcraft, because I, I love the fastball. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in, you've convinced me and he's convinced me, but my favorite thing just, I think I've said this before, but my favorite thing is just watching that guy go out there and challenge every single hit. I mean, this guy was in single a ball last year and he acts like he's not afraid of any hitter in the big leagues. He goes right at him. Uh, I like that. He shows his emotions on his sleeves sleeve. Uh, he's just – he's an easy guy to root for, and um, I don't know. This is going to become Love a Graham it. Ashcraft appreciation show. Oh, I always do a uh, spinoff podcast that is just Graham Ashcraft talk. <laughs> please, and please. The guy's awesome. He looks like – he's built like a character from Bob's Burgers. Like, I just <laughs> – this guy is <laughs> so much fun to watch out there. He looks like he doesn't give a crap what anybody thinks. 
goes after them, screams in their face. Uh, it must be a fun teammate. Well, uh, a quote that I found that I put in my, my piece was from Aramis Garcia. Let me see if I've got that here. Uh, who's, who's like, man, um, his confidence is everything. You can feel it when you're catching him. You can feel it when you're watching him in the dugout. Uh, and, and he calls him a difference maker, essentially, yeah. which is, again, it's Aramis Garcia. I don't know that he's uh, the, I, I don't know. He's like, maybe he is the best person to, I don't know anything about Aramis Garcia. <laughs> I'm still not sure he actually exists. We need to get Aramis Garcia on the pod. <laughs> Bring him on. Let's get to the bottom of this. Let's figure it out. But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's oh, the legend of Graham Ashcraft just keeps yeah, growing. Man. I hope we, uh, you know, hope by the time this comes out, he's had another. Yeah, dominant outing, and this sounds even better. But man, my, I'm gonna enjoy the Graham Ashcraft victory lap for a while. Yeah, you should. You've earned it, and I'm excited when we finish here getting to go watch. Uh, go watch the old uh, Reds and Cubbies. So, you want to answer some viewer mail questions, Nate? Let's move right on. I love it. All right, these viewer mail questions, as always, come from our friends at you guessed it, Patreon.com/slash Riverfront Cincy. What was that again, Nate? Patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy with a Y. There we go. Yes, where you two can support us. Um, before we answer these questions, we got to uh, give a shout out here, Nate. We got a new member of the, the, the Riverfront Family Beer League Ooh. softball team. Welcome to the family. Absolutely. James Scott Pyle. Three names, so you know it's Im he's impressive. It's true. James Regal. Scott Pyle. Regal. That's that's what I was. King James. Shall we call him that? <laughs> I love it. So King James uh, joined the family this week, and so we have to, as we always do, when you join the Patreon family, we assign you a position on the beer league softball team. And uh, my thought uh, initially, and we talked about this a little bit beforehand, is that he needs to be the first baseman because uh, that's where the current king resides in Cincinnati, Joseph Daniel Votto. But also because three names. First base is the number three position on the field um, if, if you're scoring at home or even if you're alone. Um, I'm saying first base. Nate, what do you think? I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, he he's the type of, type of guy who is the motivation for a lot of those softball leagues that put a limit on the amount of home runs you can hit in an inning. Because he's, <laughs> he's a guaranteed long ball every time. Up every time. Back. Every time. James Scott Pyle, King James, thanks for joining us. Um, Welcome. You should First have an invitation. James. We're family here. We're huggers. <laughs> I don't know that I've seen James in the Slack channel, though. He's got an invitation. Go uh, go join in on that, James, if you haven't yet. And if you haven't gotten an invitation, reach out to me. Um, all right, viewer mail questions. And the first one comes from James Scott Pyle. Oh, coming in hot. He's Coming in hot, um, which of the following – now, this is a, a question that's going to irritate me. We need to have a full show maybe in the offseason about the Reds Hall of Fame because just like the All-Star game, I'm abnormally geeky about things like the uh, Reds Hall of Fame. Which of the following names should be in the Reds Hall of Fame? And he gives a, a, a group. And some of these I, I can't believe are not in. Um, but let's run through who he says. Paul O'Neill, Lou Pinella. The Nasty Boys, either as a group or individually. Billy Hatcher of 1990 World Series uh, fame. He then goes on to suggest either Eddie Seacott or uh, Lefty Williams, who pitched for the 1919 Black Sox. Then he said, he had to add, I'm glad he did, because this is what I was going to say. He said, I kid, the Reds, Reds won that World Series fair and square. Um, he suggests 1919 World Series hero, Hot Eller. Greasy Neal, who was a Red, but is also in the NFL Hall of Fame. Um, any of those names stick out? First of all, I, I, I knew this, I guess, but it's been so long since I really paid attention to the uh, to the Hall of Fame. None of the Nasty Boys are in the Hall of Fame. Yep. I, 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 think all, I think all three need to be in, don't they? That was going to be my answer. They, they deserve a wing. There's a section dedicated to them alone, especially in light of recent bullpens. Really, uh... <laughs> <laughs> shows you how They're looking better and better every day. And it just seems like um, some small clips have been popping up lately. And those guys, at least, it looks like Charlton and uh, Rob Dill are still talking to each other. And it's like what, what they had was special. I couldn't believe that none of them represented. But I can't believe that Lou Pinella is in the Reds Hall of Fame. 
He's another one on that list that absolutely should be in Sweet the Lou, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, but none of those guys are the biggest snub. I have talked about this before. Uh, it's actually a friend of the podcast that I'm going to talk about. He was a guest on the on the show as we tried to get him into the Reds Hall of Fame last time around. Uh, Reggie Sanders. Mm. It's an absolute crime that Reggie Sanders is not in the Reds Hall of Fame. And I will, I will die on this hill. Uh, Reggie Sanders was way better as a red than you remember because all I know what you're going to say. You're going to get on Twitter after you, as soon as you hear this, you're going to type in at dots and C and you're going to scream at me about uh, how he struck out a lot in the 1995 national league championship series. And you know what he did? He struck out a lot in that series. He was also the, he should have been the MVP of the league that year. And you know who won the MVP of the league that year? Barry Larkin. Reggie Sanders was better than Barry Larkin that year. Uh, And, Again, I stand behind no one in my love for Barry Larkin. I'm not diminishing him, but uh, Reggie Sanders. It's it's a again, it's a dumb Hall of Fame. But the fact he's not in, and some guys that are Ron Oster is in, and Ron Oster, hometown guy, whole career with the Reds, good for him. Um, I don't know. I just it makes no sense to me that uh, people have not, still haven't forgiven. Those that lived through it, you were you were a baby. But those that lived through it haven't forgiven Reggie Sanders for one, you know, four bad days of baseball. Yeah, it seems tough if you're, uh, you know, the way we look at the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. If it's supposed to be telling the story of baseball over the course of years, if you're telling the story of the Reds, there's there's a chunk of a decade where Reggie Sanders was one of the most important pieces. Yes, yes, got to be in. Um, so that's that's the real answer. But good, great question. Uh, King James. Uh, Kyle Kapler has the next question. Kyle Kapler asks this, uh, and I'm going to answer this one first, Nate, then you can say whatever you want, but his question is this. Should Justin Dunn, Justin Dunn is uh, back, he's, he came over in the, the trade for, with the Mariners, finally finally pitching. Um, when he makes it, uh, when he's back at the big league club, should he switch his jersey number to number 44? Uh, to which I say, uh, Kyle, shut your dirty mouth. <laughs> 44, Dunn, Adam Dunn, she should be retired, first of all. They should have retired. Adam Dunn, clearly, the, clearly the best number 44 in Reds history was Adam Dunn. Clearly. I mean, no one else is even in the conversation. And don't you come at me with your Eric Davis takes on Twitter. Adam Dunn is the best player in the history of the Reds. Period. He is blank. the I, most awesome player in the history of the Reds. Is that different than I what mean, I just said? I mean, stats do not come into play to tell the story of that done. There we go. Um, I got to figure out how to write some crazy hot take for the magazine. Maybe they'll put it on the cover that says, no, because I wrote the one about Joey Votto being the greatest red ever, which was a hot take that I didn't necessarily fully uh, believe. But I tried to make the case. And so I need to do one that says, never mind, it's actually Adam Dunn. Just because, have you seen the picture of that guy double fist and Bud Lights at his uh, Reds Hall of Fame induction? Just every picture of Adam Dunn. He was in an Academy Award-winning movie, for crying out loud. That's right. With Matthew McConaughey. And with the guy that was the worst Joker. What's that guy's name? <laughs> Jared, Jared Leto? <laughs> yes. That, yeah. guy's, that oh. guy's the worst. He's the worst. I get oh, Terrible. Uh, so anyway, uh, Kyle, Kyle no, should not. Yeah. And Kyle, you may be, you're, you're going to be suspended for a week. Joe Farsing. What one player in baseball history would you have liked to have seen play live in their prime? Mine would be Josh Gibson. Uh, Gibson of course was one, one of the ones that jumped to my mind immediately. Nate, I'll let you go ahead and, 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 uh, give your answer here. I went two directions. Uh, one, I never saw Barry Bonds play in person. And I think if I'm allowed to make that qualifier, then he's my answer. Thank you. What he was doing to the baseball for all those years um, for the Giants was just, just incredible. I got to watch it on TV. got to watch it on sports center, but seeing it live would have been cool, but never that I never get to see at all. Willie Mays. Um, it's a good one. Just a, a guy who you're just oozing talent on the baseball field and had every single bit of the game. It would have been special. Yeah, a guy that you can make a real argument is uh, maybe even better than Mike Trout. Um, we'll step on a limb there. No, yeah, you know, I read a, uh, last year, I think it was, I read the biography of uh, Willie Mays. Really good. Really just, you know, kind of what where he came from and what he was able to achieve. Just uh, 
very special. My uh, my answer to this, of course, is uh, is Adam Dunn. <laughs> no, no, no. For me, Satchel Page. Satchel Page is the most interesting guy in the history of baseball to me. You know, I mean, obviously all the barnstorming and he'd show up in Cuba to pitch, and it, his biography is pretty good one as well if you if you read that one. But uh, it just he was a character at a time when um, it was. I don't know. Um, he got away with what a lot of other people couldn't have at that time. I don't, I don't know how to, how to put this, but just a, a really special guy. He debuted in the big leagues, you know, in his, in his forties and was great. And just, uh, if you ever watch the, the Ken Burns documentary, the baseball documentary, they just so many great quotes <laughs> that are attributed to, uh, Satchel page. Um, <laughs> what's, what's the one we used to use all the time now? Uh, he said, uh, I, I, when I walk, I always try to jangle gently uh, so as to keep the juices <laughs> flowing. That's how I stay young. <laughs> you know, just uh, he's just he's an amazing character, but also maybe one of the best pitchers that ever lived. Mm-hmm. So I would love to be able to see him play at some point. Good answer. All right. Uh, yeah. And good question, Joe. Uh, Josh Gibson's a great answer, though, because, that's, you know, that's 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 one of the first things you think of, because. um is he really the greatest hitter that ever lived? Some say, and who knows? But uh, all right, next question comes from Rich Thompson. Rich asks this, what is worse, being a Reds fan living in Cincinnati, northern Kentucky, and commiserating uh, another lo- lost season in the company of several other Reds fans, or being a Reds fan living in Virginia or other parts of the world, and Rich, of course, is a uh, Virginian, um, and pretty much suffering in isolation? Well, I don't know if you got a, a a response to that, Nate. If you can isolate it to Southwest Virginia, that's the answer. That's worse than most things. <laughs> that's um, the worst. Oh, ouch! I don't. Um, I don't know. Virginia's a pretty cool state. Got a lot of history. A lot of, a lot of stuff to see. Close to things. I don't know. Yeah, none of those. Neither of those are bad, Rich. I'll be honest with you, because uh, in in twenty twenty two, neither of those are bad. It's not like, you know, 1981 when you have to sit on your back porch and by yourself and listen to Marty and Joe on the radio. Um, That'd be nice. We, 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 talk, we talked about this. Start this. First of all, you have shows like this. Uh, you know, we have communities like this where we talk about Misery Loves Company. Uh, you can hang out with others. Matter of fact, you know, I talked about Tuesday we're doing a Patreon uh, hangout with the family on Zoom, which is fun. But some of, the, some of the family members are doing one right now as we record this. Mm-hmm. They just decided they wanted to do one and hang out and watch tonight's game together. And I'm going to try to drop in after I uh, finish this just to say hi for a minute. But um, I, I don't know. It's never been easier to have a group that uh, you can hang out with, talk to. And um, that's, that's the only reason I still really, frankly, follow the Reds as closely as I do. <laughs> is because this family's developed around it. And it's fun. It's fun, even when they're losing. So. Neither of those are bad, Rich. All right. Uh, next question comes from Michael Keffer. Michael says, if the Castellinis decided to magically sell the team in order to buy Phil some more golden loafers, and you had the choice, what current owner would you want to own and finance the team, and what general manager would you hire to build the team? Uh, my general manager is this is like my dream scenario, even though he's a dirty cub or was a dirty cub, a Theo Epstein, you know, what, uh, what Theo did with the Boston and with Chicago. Um, I would love to see him do something similar with another like old franchise that has fallen on hard times. He's working for MLB right now. He's, uh, but, but I would love for an owner to come in and say, all right, we're going to spend some money uh, or even just to spend or a little more maybe, but not really go nuts necessarily, but we're getting out of your way. You have the keys to the kingdom. Go to work. So that's the first thing I think. You got either of those, Nate? You got any thoughts? Um, I had Theo Epstein. Also, my other choice for GM is Alex Anthopoulos. Love what he's done in Atlanta. The way uh, they're you know they started their rebuild the same time the Reds did, and they have a World Series title, a super competitive team this season, and they have a good farm system still. Like that, that rebuild went really well. So I like what he's doing from the owner side. Um, I would love it to be somebody like Steve Ballmer for the Clippers. Like I know one 
switching sports here, but just somebody with a bottomless checkbook that is a gigantic super fan, Mark Cuban, like you know, love or hate the guy. They got the they live and die, you know, live and breathe with their franchises. That's what I want. Yeah. Somebody that's going to spend all the money and like really just care. Well, Cuban was my my first thought. Uh, Mark Cuban owns the Dallas Mavericks, obviously, and I like that about really care. But it's got to come with keeping your hands out of the baseball operations. And I don't know, you know, I don't know how much uh, Cuban involves himself in the, the basketball operations there. Um, but I know they've been fairly successful and uh, they've got a really fun player to watch there. Um, I can't remember his name, but um, I, you know, another guy I thought of, he's already a baseball owner. I, I like um, I, John Henry. Again, I hate the Red Sox, but uh, he owns the Red Sox and he also owns Liverpool um, FC. That's a, that's a, that's a British football club. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say go Reds for them because screw Liverpool. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I just, uh, he's, you know, he, he has – the Red Sox have been successful under his reign. Uh, not as successful probably as they should have been uh, for I don't know what reasons. But they, Liverpool as well are just uh, – you know what they did? They hired a great coach and uh, a manager, Jurgen Klopp, and they – Basically, they've given him what he what he needs to succeed, and so somebody like that is what I would say. I don't know. It's an interesting thought experiment. Yeah. All right, well, we've got three more questions here now. You think you can survive through three more questions? The bathroom's calling, so we might need to hurry. All right, James Urban. This is a good one. Uh, it's not a baseball related question, but that's all right because I want to talk about it, gentlemen. I just need to know: Is Top Gun Maverick better than the original Top Gun? <laughs> I am almost always on board with the sequels cannot be better trained, but man, I can't say enough about Maverick cinematic masterpiece. You finally watched it. Yeah. And I agree with Mr. Urban. I think that it was a pretty flawless movie. Um, Maverick didn't get his partner killed. Spoiler alert. Um, if you haven't seen it, that's on you at this point. Yeah. The female, really. The female lead was more appealing to me, so that that that's a win. Jennifer, I thought it was Jennifer awesome. Garner, she was great. Yeah, no, um, get out. It, it uh, the, the dirty little secret is that the original Top Gun, uh, even though they had the greatest actress in the history of the world in it, Meg Ryan, um, the the first Top Gun was really not great. Okay, if if you go watch it now, it has the you get the nostalgia, you know. And I loved it when I was a preteen, and I saw it in the theater. And, uh, my, you know, a group of buddies went to watch it and we were just blown away by it. But this new one is actually, it's great. It's just, it's really, I can't say it's, it's, if I want a movie, I pay my money and go sit and eat popcorn and just, you know, turn my brain off and enjoy uh, uh, two hours of something. It's the perfect summer movie. Absolutely perfect. So yes, it is better. Um, uh, it's a little bit better than Jurassic World. If you haven't seen that yet, uh, don't. Oh my goodness, that was horrifyingly bad. Um, so, but see, see Top Gun. Well, are, that's a question that I, I don't know. We probably we can't get into because because we haven't put enough thought into it. But not that's ever stopped us before. But there can't be many sequels that are have been better than the original. No, the, no. The only only one I can think of is Caddyshack Two. No, no. Ghostbusters I think there's a two. there's an argument that John Wick three is the best of the John Wick series. Yes, uh, you know what? And there's an argument that uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the third one, is better than the original. I don't know that I buy that, but it's awfully good. That Sean Connery. So yeah, there are some, but it's it's rare. It's rare. Yeah. What about Fast and the Fur Furious? Uh, you know, fourteen. <laughs> How, they peaked, was, they peaked that, around seven, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Last question. No, it's not the last question. I never, I, I can't, it's two straight weeks. I can't even read. Hooper Powell. I got a quick and easy answer to this one. With the trade deadline approaching, who are your five untouchable players on the roster? Okay. Here are my untouchable players on the roster. There are no untouchable players anywhere <laughs> in this organization. There is, there is, 
every player the Reds have, I would trade in a heartbeat for the right price. I'm not, you know, there's some guys that I'm not looking to trade. I'm not looking to trade Hunter Green. I'm not looking to trade Luis Castillo. I'm looking to keep him around. But no one to me should be untouchable in the right deal. Every, if, if you can make the organization better, you trade them. That's the correct answer. But for the sake of having some fun here, let's reframe the question. If they were having an expansion draft and you could only protect five players, who would those five players be? Okay, so five players that have played in the major leagues this year. Who you got? Yeah, on the big league club. Tyler Stevens is my number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go three young pitchers. I, I want Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft. Even, even, and Nick even Ashcraft. Even and Ashcraft. I, I, that's pushing it, man. Sinzel's your fifth, though, right? I, you know, I thought about Sinzel for a minute because I'm a believer still. I've been holding out hope. But I, the fifth was tough for me. Um, Mally or Castillo. Jonathan India is probably the one that makes the most sense, but we kind of talked about this when we were hanging out the other day that if somebody's going to buy high on Jonathan India, that might not be the worst move in the world. Like, yeah, you had a little bit of a hot take at dinner the other night. I don't think it's crazy that his rookie season might end up being his best season of his the best season of his career. Well, I'm not ready to. Say I hope. That. I hope not. I'm not. I don't believe that. But if it happened, I wouldn't be completely shocked. But he is my number five, but it was closer than I thought with you know, Tyler Malley and uh, Brandon Drury, Mike Miner. Yeah. I like the way I like the way you reframed that. And and it's kind of sad that it's kind of hard to find five names to protect in a expansion draft with this current team. Because again, it's a bunch of Drury's and Almoras. Uh, to me, I, I, my five would have to be, again, I hadn't about this until you just mentioned it. So I would say Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India. He's he's in there for me. Hunter Green. Um Castillo and Mally. Maybe maybe actually Lodolo and Ashcraft should be in there. But uh or no actually I'm gonna take take any one of those out and put Joey Votto in because he's an international treasure and we need to protect Joey Votto at all costs. Well, I think we have to give Joey a courtesy call and say, hey, do you want to be on this list? Because if you want to be on the list, the spot's yours. But if you want to get out of jail free card, <laughs> we'll give that to you as well. That's common courtesy. Yeah, yeah. What's going to make you happy here? Do you want to be stay here and suffer? Um, ooh, maybe Cincinnati can get an expansion franchise. Ooh. All right, last question. And this one we can't really uh, expand upon it too much. And he – and. It's by Seth Shaner, and Seth says, viewer mail question, but then he says, hey, maybe it's an off-season topic, but so let's, let's run into it just quickly. Top five non-Cincinnati ballparks where you've seen a game. Seth says his are Fenway, Oracle Park in San Francisco, Camden Yards, Old Yankee Stadium, and Coors Field at Sunset. Oh. That's why baseball is the best. It's such a yeah. It's a sport for romantics. I love it. Yeah, when I write the Great American Novel, it's going to uh, finish at sunset at Coors Field. I don't know what the plot's going to be, but that, that's where we're aiming. That's where we're going. So, um, My number one's Camden Yards. Oriole Park at Camden Yards, Baltimore. Uh, went there you know, in the mid-'90s for the first time. Been there occasionally ever since. And it has never, never once lost its luster. That, if you've not been, I mean, it really is. It was the first of all this, the, the retro parks. And it's still the best. It's just it's it's gorgeous. Um, I'd say Dodger Stadium. I finally got to go there last year. Dodger Stadium is great. Um, oh, after that, uh, Wrigley, I guess. I, I would say Wrigley and Old Yankee Stadium just because the history of those places um, were amazing. Probably. Shea. Oh, gosh. Shea was a dump. I would say uh, I'm tempted actually to say Bush Stadium in St. Louis because that was actually a fun experience um but no it's actually probably uh pnc park in pittsburgh that, that place is just it's 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 gorgeous so that's that's my five nate i don't know if you have any others to add to that list i uh shared fenway with you i shared you didn't share it with me yeah. you shared it with seth i've not been i've not been to with fenway seth, sorry yeah it was seth um dodger stadium i have been to but i just toured it when they were not playing so i've never actually seen the game i'm dying to that's right behind camden I've never been there either. We live three hours away now, so we should go this season. 
and watch a game. Absolutely. Um, Old Yankee was number one just for the history. I didn't think the stadium was anything particularly special, but you, you kind of got a feeling just walking in there, sitting oh. in the outfield with all those legends. Um, the ghosts were there. I'm telling you. I, yeah, I went a couple times. The ghosts were there. Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. I mean, it was it was special. Yeah, it was great. Fenway, Wrigley, and then um, my number five was actually Milwaukee. It's Ooh, not good one. one of the, it was just a fun, weirdo yes. dome with a water slide and like people going nuts. I was there for a walk-off hit and it was just, it was a pretty cool experience. I don't think yeah, I don't if I've been to every that. stadium, it would make my top 10, but I've been to, you know, eight stadiums and it makes my top five. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know that I would put it in my, on my list because I don't know that it's beautiful. It's, it's not bad, but it's not, it's a it's great, it's a great experience. It's a fantastic yeah. atmosphere and experience. No question about it. So sunset does not two, come into play. No sunset. No sunset at whatever they call that uh, stadium now. Um, all right, good question, Seth. Uh, Nate, any final thoughts here? The Ashcraft going to – you got a prediction right now because uh, by the time this comes out, we're going to know whether you're right or wrong. We'll judge you seven, at, uh, yeah. at NC seven Dotson and a third, 32. Seven and a third, one earned, maybe two runs because there's going to be a Kyle Farmer error in there. Um, we're going with eight Ks in his seven-plus innings. There we go. Keep, I love it. Keeping those keeping those K for nine trending up. Love it. Love it. I hope I hope you're right. And the Reds pick up two out of three before they uh stupid cubs. leave Chicago and, and yeah, really. They return home for a let's see, one, three, six, nine, eleven game homestand. I'm good at counting. Braves, Mets, Pirates, and the Tampa Bay Rays. Are you gonna have a family member at one of those games? <laughs> I am. Yeah, my son. You know, my son and his buddies decided they were going to go to uh, one of the the Braves games over the weekend, and he mentioned it to uh, um, his mother, my wife, uh, first, and she said, "I'm just telling you now, Dad's not going to pay for your ticket." <laughs> <laughs> and she was right. I'm not paying for. A ticket to Great America Ballpark, even for my own son. So he's going to have to come up with his own ticket. Um, I, I may have kicked him a few bucks to help pay for food and things, but uh, um, so I maybe my boycott is uh, maybe I'm not being one hundred percent faithful. But my son needs to eat a, a, a coney or three, and so what am I going to do? He's a teenage boy. Hey, but these, uh, are the, these are the cracks in the foundation. By <laughs> September, we can have a full-on riverfront hangout. At the stadium, so chipping uh, right. away, chipping away. <laughs> um, no, I'm not going back. But uh, until Castellani is gone, but uh, he he did say, uh, we, and I wish he thought about this earlier because he said, my buddies and I would like to wish wish that we had sell the team Bob shirts to wear because they're all they, they think it's hilarious uh, the sell the team Bob stuff, and uh, unfortunately we not enough time to get to get those for him, but. Um, it's a uh, challenge accepted. <laughs> well, um, we'll talk about that later. But anyway, uh, if if you're at the if planning on being at the ball game on Saturday, Saturday game against Atlanta, uh, he's sitting somewhere near the uh, the stacks out there, and uh, I can uh, I expect people to go and harass him. Just go out there and yell his name, okay? So if, if you're going to be there, tweet at me, and I'll I'll give you more precise details. <laughs> you can go harass my teenage son. No, wait, don't not, don't don't do that. Please don't. Um, but you can go yell, sell the team, Bob, to him, and he'll, be, he'll give you a thumbs up. All right, so uh, I'm not going to be at the game this weekend, but I will be watching the uh, Reds and the Hotlanta Braves and hoping for the Reds to continue some, uh, I wouldn't say hot play, but some uh, mild uptick here. In, fun. Some fun play. Yeah, just to be fun. That's all we need. We just Please be fun. This is The Riverfront, episode number 431. Thank you so much, uh, all of you, for listening. And for supporting the podcast, either at patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy or by supporting us at youtube.com slash riverfrontcincy. Please like, remember, smash the subscribe button over there. Please, come on, do that. Uh, help grow the podcast. We want to we try to reach a, a, that big number here soon. We're at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Every, we're everywhere at riverfrontcincy. And I would just encourage you to, um, I don't know, hang around. We're, we're, if we can have fun through this, what's going to be like when the Reds are actually playing well? It's going to be fun. Nate, always fun, my man. Thank you so much. 
That was fun. Thank you. Let's do it. All right. For Nate Dotson and, oh, the legend that is known as Graham Ashcraft. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. <laughs>